Hello everyone and welcome to episode 36 of the Ask the Coach show. I'm Jeff Plum and with me as always is Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Uh, morning Jeff, another great morning. Ready for a few more good questions. It certainly is and um, I'll just get rid of the overlay so people can see me. Yep, we've... Um, We've got some good questions coming up today, so I'm pretty excited about the show. I hope everyone um, has got up early to watch it with us, or if they haven't, they can catch it later on the podcast or on our YouTube channel or on our Google Plus page. Lots of options these days, Alois. Yes, yeah, I've, I've been speaking to a couple of uh, players that uh, get up and watch it live here in Australia, 6.30, you are keen, I like it. Excellent, good to hear. So first up, Alois, we were talking yesterday about... Um, have you ever seen yourself play on video, and did you find it useful? Yeah, What's your well, to that? well, interesting. So even um, you know, I mean, I'm not that old, but um, even when I I played, we really didn't have a lot of video of ourselves playing. It just wasn't a um, a thing that you did that much of. Towards the end of when I was playing, um, people were starting to you know get video cameras and. Uh, and video their matches and all that sort of stuff, but really we didn't use it at all in um, for technical analysis and for watching yourself uh, train and to look at your strokes. So things have really come a long way since then, and I think it's such a powerful, useful tool um, that yeah, everyone should should try to utilize it at some stage. And nowadays, I mean, even if you just utilize, you know, your phone, just grab your phone. Um, on there, and they've got some some really simple apps that you can use. Even just the video camera on your phone. Just take a short clip of yourself playing, and uh, and watch it back, and you'll be really surprised if you haven't seen yourself play um, the things that you can pick up. Yeah, exactly. I was the same, Alois. Virtually no video footage of me playing. Maybe a few little ones I'd seen, but again, it just wasn't. Um, there wasn't a technology around or the video cameras were very expensive so not many people had them. But now with the phones and everything, it's just amazing what you can do. So if you haven't, get the phone out, record some video of yourself and watch it. And as Alloy said, you'll be very, very surprised and it's very helpful. So today's Ping Skiller, uh, Ping Skiller's question of the day is, what percentage of your serves are short and what percentage are long? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that and, and your serving patterns. So let us know. All right, Alois, let's get start, stuck into these questions. First up, um, Leah has asked, I like to attack when the ball is long or high. However, my footwork is not that good and top spins are not consistent. People suggest that I should not try to topspin everything. Sometimes if I play more passively, I win more points. So what's better? Yeah. So here I think we, you know, we need to think about you know, short term and long term. Um, in the short term, it's okay to you know, push some long balls and, um, and do that sort of stuff, you know, even 50% or more of the time, because you will tend to win more points um, against some players. But long term, and if you're really looking to, to reach a high level in the game, then it's important to be able to attack those long balls. As, so, as soon as they serve the ball long to you, and if you push the ball back, 
you're really opening up the opportunities for your um, opponent to make the first attack. So, so really base your game around that um, top spinning the long ball. Perhaps earlier, what you could think about though is you talked about your um, your stroke not being so consistent. Maybe just slow down that that first top spin. You don't need to hit it really hard. Just think about top spinning it um, a little bit slower on the table. Just putting some pressure on your opponent by putting that top spin on the table, you know, 90 to 100% of the time. So perhaps just scale down the, the level of your attack, but still try to make the attack um, whenever you can. Okay, yeah, good advice, Alois. So how do you make that progression then from, well, so at the moment, Ilya's attacking all the time, and then you, you don't want to give away points, so sometimes you're going to start pushing, but then how do you make that transaction Position to actually start integrating that attack, you know, 90% of the time or more of the time back to where he's doing now, but with a consistent stroke. Yeah, so I think, you know, the first thing is in practice matches um, that you're playing against some friends, start to utilise it more and more. Start to utilise your, your attack more in those practice matches. And even perhaps, you know, um, set yourself a goal in those practice games of just doing it 100% of the time. Then you can start to integrate it into your, you know, real matches. Um, and in those real matches, it could be, you know, when 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 you know the result, basically. So if you know that you're going to beat the opponent easily or if you know that you're going to lose to um, a stronger opponent easily, then that's a good time to start to utilise those strategies. Um, perhaps there, at that stage... If there's some 50-50 matches that you really want to win, you know, then you can think about using your push more and 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 really thinking about tactically how you're going to win points against that opponent. So, so that's probably a, a nice simple way to start um, to utilise those strategies that you're practicing. Okay, and I've heard you mention a lot, and we talk about this in our training secrets section. Um, in the training, often turning drills into games is quite good. So in practice. Um, what would you think about Ilya starting up a game with his opponent where they played a game, you had to serve with backspin, the opponent had to push long and you had to topspin the third ball and then just playing the rest of the rally out and the rest of the game like a normal game but those first three balls were kind of set on how you had to play. Would that be a good idea? Yeah, that, that's that's a good one, Jeff. That, that's a really good tool that you, that you can use in a practice situation, even, um, you know, not in your practice matches, but just in your practice situation. Um, Utilise those simple modifications um, to, a, to a game to, uh, to get you to start to think that way, to start to um, make that a little bit more natural into your game. Yeah, good idea, great idea. All right, Ilya, we'll try out some of those suggestions and uh, keep working on that top spin because it's a really important stroke. And once you develop it and get more consistent, your game will rise up to another level. So keep up the good work, Ilya. All right, now the next question, Alois, we actually got using the Q&A app on the show yesterday, but we didn't quite notice it in time, so we missed it. And this is from Lloyd. And Lloyd says, have you heard of Desmond Douglas? Yes, I certainly have and uh, had the privilege of playing Desmond Douglas at the Swedish Open in about 1985 or 86 um, and uh, he's a fantastic player. Um, 
just really good close to the table blocker. Just used to get everything back. And I remember, I remember this really clearly. Um, he was a left-hander as well, and and um, and I remember really trying to go after my backhand and tee off on my backhand. And Desmond was just standing there going, "Well." Well, just blocking the ball back as easy as you like. So, yes, beautiful player. And, uh, yeah, I used to love watching him play as well. Yes. Um, he certainly had a, a unique style. There wasn't a lot of people just blocking around that time. And I can't remember, but I think it was in the book Bounce, Alois. I read a story about Desmond Douglas because everyone's like, oh, he's incredible with his reflexes. He's got the quickest reflexes of anyone I've ever seen. He's just always there ready to block the ball. But I, I'm not, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think I read in Bounce that he had, when they did um, like reflex tests, he was not very good at those reflex tests. He was actually lower than a lot of the other players. And I think the point was that, you know, anticipation isn't always about, you know, quick reflexes. It's more about, um, you know, watching the ball closely and picking up what the other player's doing. So by watching the ball so closely, he was actually gave himself more time because he knew earlier than other players where the person was going to hit the ball. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Matthew Syed certainly would have encountered uh, Desmond Douglas in England there, um, the author of Bounce. And uh, yeah, I can tell you, it really did feel like he knew where the ball was coming because I was really going after those those backhands, and uh, he was seeing the ball pretty well. Yes, indeed. So I think that the lesson really here is that, you know, watching the ball closely, even though it sounds silly, is one of the vital keys to improving your anticipation. Yeah, and it's just it's just a, a really important um, skill to develop uh, during your training as well. So, yep. Excellent. All right, well, thanks for the question, Lloyd, and uh, sorry we didn't pick it up yesterday. Um, next one, Alois, is from Gary. And Gary says, I was playing in a tournament at my local club and one of my opponents was blocking the view of the contact with his free hand. He would have likely have beaten me anyway, but I had no chance to return the service effectively with him blocking my view. So what should I have done? Yeah, so, um, so Gary's talking about the serve there. So um, so when his opponent was serving, he was blocking the view with his with his free arm, so Gary couldn't actually see the contact. Well, firstly, it's illegal, so you're not allowed to do that. So, I mean, if you have a um, qualified umpire, then maybe you can um, say something about it and, you know, just mention it to them and just make sure that they uh, know that you can't see the, the contact. The, the, the problem with these is always in a club setting when you've got your teammates umpiring or your other or your opponent's teammates um, umpiring and just being able to talk about that situation um, in in a club situation because the umpires aren't official they don't necessarily know the rules and also there's a bit of a stigma behind um, you know calling people's serves for faults um, when they're in your team or in the opposition's team, you know, maybe maybe it's something that you can just mention to your opponent after the match um, that you played them, um, and you know, just in a in a in a friendly way, just uh, mention it to them because then perhaps uh, they, I mean, they might not 
realise that they that they're serving from behind their arm, um, and that might help them as well. So yeah, it's always it's always that, that service rule is always tricky, isn't it? It's just um, it's difficult to implement in the club situation. In the in the international situation, it's not so difficult because they've got you know official umpires and they'll call it. Uh, but yeah, in that club situation, it gets it gets tricky. Yeah, it certainly does, Alois. I really dislike this service rule. I think something needs to be done. Um, and even at the higher level, the umpire sitting in the chair can't see what the player sees, so they don't have the same view. So it's it's actually impossible to enforce, you know. So I, I think that is one rule that has to be uh, looked at. Um, but, yeah, difficult situation, Gary. Um yeah, maybe as Alice said, you could try just having a casual chat to that person. Um, yeah, so good luck, and if you do have a chat, let us know what the outcome is. All right, Alois, next question is from Rayut, and the question is, I've been playing table tennis for two years and haven't improved much because I haven't had proper guidance, and when I'm doing the forehand topspin, I can't get the length right and I can't transfer my weight. Um, I've tried some shadow play, and that's helping me improve. Um, but how how do I really, in practice, improve my forehand topspin? Yeah. So, um So the first thing that, and this is really important, the fact that you say that you can do it in as a shadow swing is really good because that's the first um, part of the progress. So understanding and and knowing the movement and the feeling of the movement okay, is a great first step. So now what you need to do is just progress that skill slowly. So the, the probably the next simple progression that you can use is just get someone to bounce the ball for you one at a time so that they don't have the bat in their hand. Just bounce the ball on their side, on your side, just like a serve and nice and simply and then you just um make that stroke and see if you can do that stroke one at a time. Once you can do that um, comfortably and consistently, then you can progress it on to a rally. So a rally where someone's just blocking the ball for you nice and simply, again really slowly, and start to uh, play a stroke, recover, and play another stroke. And then you can start to progress it a little bit more. You can start to, to progress it to a situation where they're blocking a little bit faster. You can progress to um, them putting the ball to different spots on the table and you utilising the forehand topspin. But in essence, all you're doing is utilising the stroke that you now know and use um, during your shadow play. So it's just a matter of progressing that skill now to be able to utilise it eventually in a match situation and in a in an important match situation. So go slowly, just use those simple progressions in the skill development. Um, and sometimes you'll get to a level and you, you start to make some errors, just go back one level. So if you start to do the forehand topspin and they're blocking the ball everywhere and you're really struggling with it, go back to just getting them to hit it to one spot so you get the rhythm and the feel of it again and then go back again and progress again. So it's always just a matter of going up and down levels of um, difficulty in your skill level until eventually you start to feel comfortable to be able to use that um, stroke at the highest level. Okay, excellent advice and great question, Rayud. 
Um, keep working at it because that shot is really important. And as you get better at it, you're going to start enjoying your table tennis more and more. So um, try out those tips from Alois and let us know how you go. Okay, next question, Alois, from Sashinta. Uh, and the question is, can you tell me how I should practice my high toss serve? Sometimes I don't even get the ball to hit my bat when it's falling. Um, when I practice, should I practice for about 45 minutes? So what are some tips, Alois? Yeah, so Sachinta, one of the really key things uh, about the high toss serve is just getting that um, the ball toss right. Um, just repetitive practice of the ball toss will help to start off with. You know, just being able to throw the ball up and get it back into the right position is important. <laughs> if you don't get without even hitting the ball. Yep, yeah, without hitting the ball. Um, one simple tip that I've seen is people put a piece of paper um, just in front of uh, in front of them on the floor, and then you throw the ball up and just try to land the ball on that piece of paper on the ground. So that gets you throwing the ball into the right direction. Then you can start start again to think about the progression of the skill and start to make some contacts and make the make the um, serve as well. So yeah, but one of the really key things is just getting that ball toss right. Okay, and then um, yeah, so even just hitting the ball is is tricky once you get the ball toss right too, isn't it? So I guess that takes some practice as well. Yeah, it does. The the um, yeah the contact because the ball's falling reasonably fast once it starts to fall from a greater height, and so making the connection between bat and ball does become a little bit more difficult. So, but as everything, practice is the key. So just do it repetitively. Get a box of balls and just do it, do it, do it. Um, you know, I mean, we always talk about the best players in the world still practice their serves. You know, they still practice their serves half an hour, sometimes an hour a day. So, yeah, just got to yeah, just got to. Another part of the question from Sashinta was, should I practice for about forty-five minutes? But I guess it's not really about a set time, is it? Yeah, it's um, it, yeah, I mean, half an hour to an hour is is good. So if you if you can do it for forty-five minutes, great. You know, just keep keep practicing it. Um, yeah, it's not, not really about a set time. It's about just um, when you're comfortable, when you feel that you, you're starting to, to get the feel of it, and then just, just do it a little bit more just to get the, uh, the muscle memory and to, to really get it set in your mind. And you'll, you'll probably find when you come back tomorrow and start, it doesn't feel um, right or it doesn't feel as good, but it will keep progressing during the session. So, yeah, the, the, the more you can practice it, the better. Great, and we do have a video on the high toss serve in our serving secrets section, so I'll put a link to that um, in the notes. Okay, well, thank you, everybody. Um, it's been a great show. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've had a lot of great questions and a lot of great tips from Super Coach Alois. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Make sure you check out our website at thingskills.com and leave a comment on the show. Answer the Ping Skills question of the day, and if you haven't, sign up for our free newsletter. All right. Thanks, Alice. Thanks, Jeff. Happy table tennising today, guys.